This episode of the Productivity Podcast is brought to you by Newton. Newton is email supercharged. It's an email app with space age features for modern day business communication. And it's the email app I've been using for quite some time. You can learn more about Newton during this episode. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivity is Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, Laura Vanderkam joins me. She is the author of Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done. And I reached out to her when the book came out, and I said, hey, uh, congratulations on the new book. Um, if you ever want to hop on the show, I'd love to chat with you. And within a couple of emails, we were good to go. So we're going to talk a lot about how this book, Off the Clock, can inspire the rest of you to, to, to all of us to uh, create lives that aren't only productive but enjoyable in the moment. I love that. Uh, you can invest your time and your happiness to make life more memorable and less stressful. We're going to dive into that as well as a whole bunch of other things. Now, if you don't know who Laura is, she is the best-selling author of What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, which for me would be around uh, you know 10 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> she also has written I Know How She Does It in 168 Hours, among others. She is uh, somebody that I've always had a really good uh, relationship with. We've, we've appeared on some panels together, some virtual panels. Uh, years ago and we've you know we've we we often uh you know uh see each other on the internet and 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 share share each other's work so i'm excited to share this conversation with you here's my conversation with laura vanderkamp here on the productivity podcast i'd like to welcome laura vanderkamp to the productivity podcast laura thanks for joining me today thanks for having me uh you have a book that just came out as we're recording this off the clock feel less busy while getting more done. And I want to jump right in and talk about this. Like, first off, the title, Off the Clock. People, when they think about time management, they think more about being on the clock. This idea that, you know, uh, you have to make every moment matter and every minute counts. And then you hear off the clock. Wait a minute. So can you explain what that title kind of means and, and where what people can expect when they get past the cover of the book right out of it because yeah. it, 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 it does draw you in you're like wait a minute you know there's a clock with a hammock and it's like but this is a time management book isn't it <laughs> yeah, well it is um but there there's a fascinating paradox between being aware of where your time goes and yet also sort of transcending that obsession with the minutes and off the clock explores this paradox and this idea of time freedom because i really do think that time freedom stems from time discipline. Um, I think that the people who are able to feel off the clock and relaxed in our busy lives are the people who are intentional about how they spend their time, who have thought through, these are the things I would like to do with my time. This is how I can make that happen. These are the logistics that must be taken care of. But when you do those things, then you can wind up with these open swaths of time where you don't feel um, like you have to do things you don't want to do. Um, and so that idea of time freedom is what this book explores. Now, you've got this, uh, you know, we, we get into the book and you've got secrets of people with all the time in the world, which again, people are like, but everyone has the same amount of time. I don't get it. Uh, I totally get it. Believe me, you, you and I are on the same page with this. Um, what is this idea of 
Uh, and again, I love the, the the metaphors you use because it's accessible, right? Like so many time management books and productivity books are about um, they're, they're they're very clinical, if that makes sense, or they're very technical attack. But what is tending your garden like to me? People are like, I thought this like what what does tending your garden have to do <laughs> I was, with? I was looking your time? for uh, <laughs> yeah, I was looking for tips on my email, and here I am tending <laughs> my garden. Yeah, like wait, <laughs> I was how to send shorter messages through Slack or something. I, you know, no, it's uh, um, the. the I think what is going on is, well, the tending your garden reference is that time management and learning to spend our time better is a constant process. Mm -hmm. No one ever arrives at that final place where like the time thing is good. I've got it all figured out. I never have to think about it again. Like that is unlikely to happen. Um, So instead, I think a better metaphor is this idea of tending a garden, um, which is that you can do amazing things with any given plot of earth, uh, make all sorts of gorgeous flowers bloom with it. Uh, but it takes work. I mean, it takes hard work. It takes the assessing the plot, you know, seeing what materials you're working with, what you could plant there, what will work with that uh, soil you have. Um, it, you got to weed, you prune, you water. Um, but when you do all those things and tweak it as it goes, then, then you can enjoy the beauty of what is there. Um, you know, and so, on some level, well, we all have the same size plots of earth, although some people, I guess, are born with more advantages than others, and I would not deny that. Um, but we can all do a lot with this plot of earth we're given. And and so the garden metaphor is about this constant analysis of where our time is going and how we can use it better. And, and if we like it, great. And if we don't, what can we change? So I want to talk a bit about the time diary and the, the concept of that, because I know, I mean, you're no stranger to tracking hours. I know your work is, you know, the 168 hours, all that stuff. You, you There is this quantifiable component, but I, I, what I love is is like the marriage of this quantifiable and this quantification, as well as the qualified, like like qualitative work, you know, like the, how do you marry this? And I know the book goes into this, and so I don't want you to, to you know, here you go, here it all is. But this idea of saying, okay, I'm going to keep track, you know, this time diary. And through that, you were able to see where, not not the when, but like sort of the, the where and what you needed to be working on so that you could deliver a higher quality of, of, of outcomes that you're searching for. Can you give me a couple of examples either that you discovered through your own self or that others, I know there's some anecdotes throughout the story as uh, throughout the book as well. Yeah. I mean, so I always like to combine qualitative and quantitative um, material in my books and, and to the quantitative aspect in, in case anyone's curious is that I had 900 people with full-time jobs and families track their time for a day. It was a normal March Monday. Um, so, so not a particularly interesting day in its own right, but, but just a normal day for people. And I had them track their time. Then I asked them questions about how they felt about their time. Uh, so I could compare people who felt rushed and stressed and harried and like they never had time for the things they wanted to do with people who felt relaxed and happy and like they did have time for the things that they want to do. And of course, these are equivalently busy people. Again, everyone had full-time jobs and families. So it's not like I was comparing retirees with people who were, you know, working full-time with two-year-olds. Um, like these all, these are all the working full-time with two-year-olds, um, but some people felt relaxed and some didn't. What were the differences between their schedules? And, and you know, there's some fascinating stuff that came up, but I've, I've seen this in my own life too. I mean, I've tracked my time on these weekly spreadsheets for three years now, um, which nobody else needs to do that. I want to put that right out there. <laughs> like, 
if that's your time management advice, I'm turning off this podcast right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, don't reach for your phone while you're in traffic, like commuting, turning this off. Like, just hear me out here. Um, you do not have to do that. Uh, like a week is good. Like track a week. Um, and, and that will be eye-opening for anyone who has never done it before. I promise that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I write about time management. I speak about time management. I still had time going places that I had no concept of. Uh Um, Once I started (laughs) tracking my time continuously, I realized um, I was working less than I thought I was, which is is funny because I joke about other people doing this. Um, But in my mind, I was working about 50 hours a week. And that's because I tracked my time here and there over the years for a week. And, you know, it always been about 50 hours a week. But when I started tracking my time continuously, I realized I had chosen very specific weeks to track, <laughs> like weeks uh, when I was working 50 hours a week, because that was the vision I had of myself in my head. And so I chose weeks that reflected it. Um, when you track all your time, you cannot do that. And so I saw the average was a lot closer to 40. So that's 10 hours that's different than what I thought it was, um, which is good to know. Like, where's that 10 hours going? <laughs> we should probably figure that out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it, the, by the way, there's um, for people who do want to track their time a little bit, and I'm not a huge believer in, because I know, um, you know, Cal Newport's great at tracking his deliberate practice and things like that. You know, I mean, we've uh, I know Cal's read your book, and, and I'm a big fan of, uh, of Cal's work. But what's interesting is that through tracking, he's able to dive into deeper work and figure out, you know, how deep he can go into things and getting into mastery. One of the things that, that I've used is I think that you can track i think there's there's a there's an end point right you know what i mean like how much are you still tracking quantitatively or are you like for me i i, I track thematic elements of my so like if i'm looking at my day for example and i know that my days like today's theme even though we're recording this on a, on a friday normally i would be doing focusing on deep work today so yeah. i will track uh, i use a tool called the 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 z by timular and uh, or zai by timular and and each side, it's like an eight-sided die. It looks like one of those those Dungeons and Dragons dice. So each of those sides has like one of my themes. So all I'm looking for is to see: did the majority of my day was I doing deep work? Like that's that's basically the 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 qualification that the boundary that I'm setting. What are you doing? Like, are you still um, after going through the process of not just talking with? And, and I'd love to hear what they do. They're doing as well. Are you still like how much of your time are you still tracking? Where do you find like the end is for you in terms of okay, that's enough. I don't need to. This is kind of where my boundaries are. And then those other people, you've probably done some follow up. Are they still doing it, or were or did they stop? Like, I'd love to hear some thoughts on that as well. Well, very few people who you know I've. I've those who agree to track their time for a week will keep going after that. I do hear from right. people sometimes that they've kept going. I mean, one of the young men I profile and off the clock was a college student who um, was assigned to track his time for a week for a class and then, you know, was the total overachiever and tracked the whole semester and then sent me his logs. <laughs> and it was great. Oh, I, could, <laughs> I could see where his whole semester went and it was fascinating stuff. I mean, I, it, which was, it was good for him. Like he figured things out. He made some great changes in his time as a result. Um, you know, people of all walks of life can, can do this. I think most people, you know, if they do it for a week, that's great. Um, I, I'm still tracking like three years after I started. And partly it's not so much now that I'm saying quantitative stuff because that in the first year, I figured out a lot of the quantitative stuff, the sort Mm -hmm. of boundaries of my life and and where that was going. Um, 
what's sort of fascinating to me is how consistent some things are. Apparently, I sleep 7.4 hours per day when you average it over any long period of time. (laughs) That is Mm -hmm. the number my body is aiming for. I can go below it for a while, but then I will do, I will catch up one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully in good ways as opposed to bad ways. (laughs) Um, Please please don't fall asleep during this interview. Please don't fall asleep during this interview. But, uh, you know, one way or another, I'll get there. Uh, And and if I'm over that for some reason, that's when I start like popping up at 5 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But for me, it's, it's not even about the numbers so much anymore. It's, it's about, having this record of my life mm-hmm. um, because it's a journal, but it's a complete journal. Right. And it's a journal that's not um, as clouded by like my particular feelings at the moment. Uh, I've been, I've been pondering this because I do keep a journal here and there and I kept it, you know, started keeping it when I was like 13 and I really want to go back in and like burn the ones from. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. If, if, if Marcus Aurelius did that, we wouldn't have meditations. You got to keep right, those well, around. That's true, but I'm not sure that, uh, you know, 14 year old Laura's musings are anywhere up there, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, it, it's this record of my life. And, and so I have these memories available to me in a way that they wouldn't be otherwise. Like I was looking at an old log of, you know, say July, 2017, uh, you know, talk about just rec- recollecting something, um, the, that I have like on there, this trip to Benihana with my husband and my three older children. Mm-hmm. And because it's on my time log and I can see it, I recall the details about that restaurant visit, like that I wouldn't, if I didn't have it, like, I'm not, it wasn't, you know, I'm not going to remember like a random trip to Benihana. I like, might have in my head, like, Oh yeah. At some point in my life, I've been to Benihana. Um, but it was, you know, because I know that whole day is recorded, I could see, oh, well, that was a morning I did X. And after that, we did that. And I did that. And then, you know, we went to Benihana and then we, you know, did whatever after it's like the whole day is there. So yeah. this day has not disappeared into this sinkhole of memory. Um, and that has actually made me feel like time is more vast. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting. Like I, I, I had a conversation with someone last night about what they said, what is the most valuable thing that they could do for their productivity right now? And I said, the easiest thing or the value, like, what do you, they're like, if I could start something today, what would be, I'm like, start journaling. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, if your calendar will only tell you so much, right. And this is, I mean, you're going above and beyond, right. But your calendar will only tell you like, this is what the day, but if you journal, you can combine that, like the, 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 the hard edges, right? Like what you're talking about, as well as if you want to throw some emotional value in there, like how you felt, maybe you want to write down what you had at Benihana, right? Or like, you know what? I've been to Benihana so many times and this is the best service we ever had. Like you could do that if you wanted to. But the great thing about a journal, like productivity, it's very personal, right? And, and what I loved about the book is that there's a lot of, uh, you, you throw in words like savor, and tend to, and there's these 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 very for lack of it like human like emotional kind of words that you don't normally associate with time management in in its traditional sense and you know I'd love to talk a little bit about this idea of where like first off how obviously you and I have, you've spent a lot of time studying time but over the years, you've, you've come to use these, like, you know, the, recognize that savoring moments, like, versus tracking, like, tracking minutes, that there, there's there's an element of both of those that you could have when you're looking at time, and you're saying, like, time is vast. You can take time to savor, right, as opposed to just going through the motions, right? Yeah, I mean, 
I think it helps to walk around with a story that you have all the time in the world. I mean, if you can just sort of repeat that to yourself, it can actually change how you perceive time. I'm just annoyed about a bunch of things today. I mean, I've got a lot of random stuff going on. I'm like trying to get my car inspected and mm-hmm. <laughs> something I was supposed to do a, a service provider canceled, um, but didn't let me know in a way that I had any I had seen. And so I was like, the, the person's not there. Just, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And I'm yeah. like, I'm so <laughs> well, you know, I, I do generally have enough time for the things that I want to do and hurrying just makes you feel hurried. So why? Well, and, and you can only control your own behavior, right? Like, you I mean, there are, control your yeah. own behavior. I mean, I don't have to use this service provider again. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's true. The- <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, <laughs> and I'm not sure I will be, but you know, I, I don't need to be like, you know, in a tizzy in my life about it. <laughs> like, you know, they can and normally just not and, have my business. Like that's and, fine. And, and I think that normally when you get in a tizzy about things like that, um, it it underlies a much greater issue, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that, that people who tend to get bent out of shape about the small, like sweating that small stuff, there there's a, a greater issue that's that's underlying. And um, but but let's shift gears for a second, and I want to talk about something that my daughter and I were talking about the other day when the new um, as, as we're recording this. Uh, Apple has released some more parental features for time management for screens. And my daughter was both like, oh, that's cool, until she realized that what we could do with it. <laughs> what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. My daughter's actually really quite good with it because she knows. I'm one of those few parents that, uh, that you know, actually used to work in the, in the space and still, you know, in terms of tech stuff, but also understand. I mean, it's kind of it kind of sucks for my kids when they're like, oh, it's OK if we're late for school. I'm like, no, it's not. It's definitely not. <laughs> and they're like, okay, damn yeah. it, my dad, the time management guy. But um, but uh, this I, the, the phone, she you know, we, we are connected essentially 24 seven now. Should we, in some case, uh, it's should we choose to be, but often we are, we are, a lot of people feel compelled to be. Like it's, you know, it, it's almost like it's, it's a new appendage for us. Uh, you talk about the phone in the book and, and, and some strategies. What, what is some of the things, and I, again, not to give away too much, but what do you, what are some of the things that you tried, not just yourself, but with, with some of the, the, the people that you were working with about like letting go of, of that device every once in a while, or maybe more than every once in a while to kind of help you really kind of maximize or captive, captivate yourself with, with time a little bit more those moments that you're having. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with phones and they're a magical, wonderful things uh, make in terms of making life easier. But um, like any tool, you want to be in control of it and using it to give you a better life as opposed to feeling rushed and harried and unhappy. I mean, if it's making you feel rushed and harried and unhappy, then something should change. Um, and generally what, what goes on is that, you know, we can, we have time and we're figuring out how to spend it. And we often could do other things that would take more effort, but if the phone is there, that is the easiest thing to be on. Um, it's always with you. It's mm-hmm. uh, easy to get onto. There's a lot of fun stuff on there. So it, it's this sort of effortless fun uh, that people are find it very easy to choose in, in moments where you could have downtime or you could not. Uh, so, you know, that's what we pick up, but you could do other things with that time. And I found that people who looked at their phone less, less frequently felt like they had more time because um, they were choosing not to chop up this available leisure time by looking at their phones. So, you know, it's, it's, 
there's lots of ways you can practice this sort of discipline. I mean, you can actually just like put your phone away while you're having a conversation with someone. Yep. I mean, that's just good manners, but don't even look at it. Like, you know, put it in your phone, put it in your bag or away somewhere if you're having coffee with someone and just, you know, be fully there. Um, you know, you can put it in airplane mode more often when you're just out and about. And what that does is you can still see the time, which is usually why people pull out their phones to look at it in the first place. It's just, you know, I'm seeing what time it is. Uh, but then while you're there, there's all sorts of other things to look at. So put it in airplane mode because you can get it out of airplane mode very quickly. And you still have the phone with you if you like, you know, have a flat tire or something. But you're not as tempted to check it just for random reasons. Um, right. you, you have to do one more thing, one more step in that you know, conscious check of like, is this what I really mean to be doing right now um, is often enough to make you say, okay, well, maybe this isn't what I mean to be doing right now. Um, and, and that can help you feel like you have more time as well. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, let's take a break now to talk about our sponsor this week, Newton. Newton has really transformed the way I use email. And, and it's interesting because, you know, I've tried a ton of email applications. Uh, so many, too numerous to mention. It would take up the entire <laughs> length of this ad spot. But the fact is I've stuck with Newton for a really long time and it's made email a, a pleasurable experience for me again. I can take uh, any message and add it to my task apps of choice, uh, Asana, Todoist, uh, there's also Trello, there's Wonderlist, there's tons of them out there. It's, it's, it's just got a really great UI as well. Uh, mobile and desktop, the sync is fantastically fast. Notifications are fast, lightning fast push notifications. And, you know, I mean, you can send later. It's got all those, you know, all those little all those little add-ons you can put in Gmail or any of the other email applications that you have at their services. Newton has them built right in. You can snooze emails, you can send later, you can schedule them. You can have, like I said, those connected apps and so many other powerful add-ons. You know, email is not a, a fun place for me to be. In fact, for me, it's more like the loading zone. I've talked about this before, is that email is kind of like this loading zone where all these messages come in, and I want some place that I can use where I can just get them out of there and get out of email as quickly as possible. As much as I love being in Newton when I'm there, I don't want to be in there forever. Um, they've also got this really new cool uh, true inbox experience, which is, which is kind of neat, where it kind of turns email into a chat if you want that experience. And so there's a lot of flexibility and durability and, and, and simplicity with, with, with Newton that you, you don't get with 
one email application out there. Uh, it has just made my email experience that much more pleasurable. It's got an iOS calendar app too. So there's so many different things that you can do with Newton. And again, I, I just can't say enough good things about it. I've been using it for a really long time. And uh, if you want to have a more pleasurable email experience, I can't think of a better tool for you to use, no matter what platform you're using, than Newton. You can download Newton for free and get a 14-day free trial by going to productivityist.com slash Newton. And you can also learn about all the other uh, details and accoutrements <laughs> that Newton has to offer. So check out Newton. It's email supercharged, and it's the email app that I use every single day. So again, go to productivityist.com slash Newton to check it out. Get your 14-day free trial. Thanks to Newton for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist podcast. Now let's get back to the show. As we get close to wrapping up here, there's another uh, element of, of of time and, and task that kind of cr- we end up spending a lot of time in this space, um, and and it sometimes those tasks are very shallow inside of it. And that's email. You mentioned email off the top like this. Why you know? And, and this may, I don't think this is directly addressed in the book, but I know that you probably have some thoughts on it. Is email seems to be this this um, really easy way to measure how productive you are because the, the, the term inbox zero, which was coined uh, a long time ago. Uh, wow. I can't believe I'm saying a long time ago, but it is now, uh, you know, Merlin man coined the term and people have said, Oh, inbox zero is email. Not really what it meant, <laughs> but yeah. this idea of getting your email to zero is this, it's almost like this badge of honor of, of productivity where like I got through all X number of emails today, ergo I was productive. Um, how do you, how do you tackle email? Because I think that, that, you know, when they hear from people like a tactical approach to it, do you have like, like, do you approach it several times a day? Like, how do you look at it? Because I think people, it's one of those things where people realize that it's taking up time and they're bouncing back and forth between it and they maybe like to get a better handle on it. Yeah. I mean, I think email expands to fill all available space. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only way to spend less time on email is to choose to spend less time on email. There is not some magical hack that is going to solve your inbox problems. Um, you just simply have to decide that you're not going to deal with it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think that consciously expanding the length of time that you think it is okay to respond to an email is one way to mm-hmm. um you know, because we're often we're judging in our mind some unspoken standard of what we think is a timely reply. Um, but it could be longer than what you think is, is mm-hmm. that. Um, I think also you can decide to check it fewer times. I mean, even if you need to be on email nearly constantly in your job, you might be better off saying, okay, I'm going to be on it for 20 minutes every hour and then get off it for 40 and on for 20 and off for 40. So in in that scenario, there's only 40 minutes between when you've see, you know, when something could have come in and you would then see it and deal with it if you needed to. Right. But having that open 40 minutes, like gives you time for other things. But the way people often do it is that they're toggling back and forth, like every three minutes. And that's just silly. Um, it's really, you don't have to be back to stuff in three minutes. Right. And another thing that, that uh, I recommend to people is don't go by the default. If the default is first in, first out, what if you sorted your emails by the person? That way you could see who the most important person is to respond to, deal with them quickly, and then let the others um, 
not to, not to necessarily use it, but let the others linger a little bit, like let linger, them wait, linger, yeah. right? Like let them sit there. And, and so there's, I, I think that that's definitely something that you should think. I mean, you're right. I want to, and, and as we close wrapping up, you mentioned open space in the book and how heavy it is. And, uh, you know, when you first start, because you don't, like you said, people want to fill all of their time. And I'm not a huge believer in this ha- scheduling every moment of the day with very specific activities. I think that it's important to kind of invest your your time wisely in maybe broader uh, activities. So the calendar to me is more of the guideline, whereas the to-do list has the details. So you kind of just, you know, that's that's where I, I sit on that. But when people are struggling with you know, and I have I have clients of people I know that that if their calendar isn't full, they don't know what to do. They're like, well, what, what do I do with that time? And email, like you said, is one of those things that fills that space, because when you have an hour between meetings and you finish up with that one meeting, the default for most people is I wonder what email arrived while I was in that meeting. And then you yeah. then you're in there for that hour. So. With with the weight of open space for so many people, what are uh, as we get close to wrapping up here? What what are some things that people can do to deal to, to handle that or to deal with that so that they understand that the weight of it is is that 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 girth of that open uh, of that open space is is just a it, it's a temporary thing. The more you you spend time with it. Yeah, I mean, open space does feel heavy if you're not used to it. It's like, oh, what should I be doing? And you've had this sort of panicky feeling if you haven't looked at your email for, you know, a few hours or something. But, you know, look around. I mean, the earth is still spinning on its axis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, we're, we're all less important than we think we are. Um, the vast majority of us, again, the world will continue to do what it's always done, regardless of, of what we do. And, and certainly, um, you know, these small decisions we're making about how to fill our time. So, you know, if you want to go for a 15 minute walk at lunch, do it. Right? So if you want to um, not, you know, spend the evening on email, do it. Um, it's it's probably going to be okay. And, and you can notice that discomfort, like, oh, I feel weird not having been online for a while. But the honest truth is, when you aren't filling those little spots of boredom, you often get interesting ideas and maybe not immediately, but over time you start to get different ideas coming to you like, Oh, that would be an interesting thing to try. And I wonder about this. Let me ponder that. And that sort of open space for thinking is some of the most productive things we do. Um, so, you know, it, it's open space feels heavy at first, but over time it can start to feel light. Laura, uh, as we, you know, this book, again, as you go through it and in your work, I mean, having read your work for a long time, I mean, your work does this is it's, it's, you're looking at it and you're going, this does not seem like the time management book that is traditionally about time management. But as you go through it, um, you, you know, I was watching an interview with Ethan Hawke on Colbert the other day. And it was about, you know, the, the, the ringing, after you see a movie, there was this quote where he says, a good, the sign of a good movie is the fact that it, it, it starts once you leave the theater. So it's, it, it, the bell is, it, it, a bell is rung as you leave the theater and it just reverberates. And he used it as an example with his movie, Dead Poet Society, which has come out, which came out 29 years ago. Like he has people walking down the street and, and they'll say, Oh, captain, my captain. Like it's, it's so, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so this book, uh, you know, when you read it and you go through it, you, you what I love about it is that the message resonates well beyond when you're done finishing the book. And, and some things won't come to you right away, unless, I mean, w- again, 
unless you've like dedicated a large portion of your life to studying time management and productivity, it may, may hit you sooner. But I, I think that, that that's the earmark of, of a great book and you've put a great book together here. So I want to, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me that you said that. The new book is called Off the Clock, Feel Less Betty, Less Busy, or Betty, Feel Less Busy <laughs> While Getting More Done. Um, and uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today on the Productivity Podcast. Laura, where, where can people find you to uh, uh, spend, when, they're, when they have this space, they can go, hey, I want to learn more about Laura. Where can they go? You can come visit my website, which is lauravandercam.com, just my name. Um, I'm blogging probably four times a week or so. I love to have comments. I have one of the nicest comment sections on the internet. So (laughs) welcome responses there. You can listen to my podcast, uh, Best of Both Worlds. My co-host, Sarah Hart Unger, and I um, discuss issues of work and family and from the perspective of loving both. Thanks again for joining me today, Laura. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Laura Vanderkam for joining me on this week's show. Of course, you can pick up her book, Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done at fine bookstores anywhere and everywhere. But of course, you can just click on the link in the show notes and get it. And of course, if you use the link, it's an Amazon link. So a little bit of money will go towards the show and towards uh, productivity. So that's another way you can kind of help out the show. If you want to... uh, learn more about the direction of the podcast that we're heading because uh, episode 200, I kind of, you know, said, hey, we're, we're going to be doing some really cool things. Um, I would suggest that you check out the productivityist.com slash membership URL because you're going to see where we are headed with the podcast. We've had patrons supporting the show for a long time and we've had listeners supporting the show for, I mean, again, over 200 episodes now. So, if you go to productivities.com slash membership, you're going to learn more about not just the direction of the podcast, but the direction of Productivityist as well. You can sign up and get more updates there. Uh, thanks to John Polster for producing the show. Thanks to Claire for helping putting things together, as well as Anne for going through the book and giving me some, uh, you know, second sight on it because I'm so close to that material. And also thanks to Newton for sponsoring this week's episode of the show. Again, click on the show notes and check out Newton. Get your 14-day free trial. It's the email application that I use and I love. I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.